Make no mistake, this is an investment in Canada's future. Kinder Morgan surprise, the federal government's $4.5 billion pipeline purchase and reaction from all sides. Mysterious disappearance. My whole world is falling apart. Two men vanish on Vancouver Island. Why the timing raises so many questions. And detained in Saudi Arabia. She was feisty and determined and fearless. The UBC grad under arrest. What she's accused of and Canada's response. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Happening right now, Kinder Morgan opponents rallying in Vancouver, voicing their opposition to the federal government's plan to buy the Trans Mountain Pipeline project. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Chris is off tonight. The federal Liberals making the announcement today, stating the goal is to ensure the controversial expansion is built. The cost? billion. That's for current infrastructure. But Canadians could also be forking out billions more to actually construct the project. The price tag earlier tabled by Kinder Morgan, about $7.4 billion. Aaron MacArthur has more on today's announcement and what the plan is going forward. With Kinder Morgan's deadline about to expire, the federal government was left with little choice. Let Trans Mountain disintegrate or put billions of taxpayer dollars on the line. Because we only have one market, the United States, for our oil resources, we lose about $15 billion every year. The federal government has promised $4.5 billion for the existing pipeline and terminal facility in Burnaby, and then at minimum $7.4 billion to build nearly 1,000 kilometers of new pipeline. But the federal government has no intention of keeping this asset. Our view is long-term that this project should be in the private sector. It has value, commercial value, uh, for a private owner. Plan A sees the Trudeau government start construction and then work with Kinder Morgan to find a new buyer by August. If that doesn't happen, Plan B sees the government finance the entire project and then try to pawn it off down the road. Many investors have already expressed interest in the project, including Indigenous groups, Canadian pension funds, and others. According to Kinder Morgan, BC stands to gain nearly $5 billion over the next two decades, about four times less than Alberta will see. But Rachel Notley's government won't put up any of the money to purchase the pipeline, only contributing once the oil starts to flow. As of today, this is the most certainty that this project has ever had. All of this might still be dependent on the outcome of BC's court challenge. The reference case that Premier John Horgan says will continue no matter who the owner of the pipeline is. The reference case, which we talked about here not that long ago, did not speak to a specific project. It spoke to the transportation of diluted bitumen through British Columbia by rail or by pipe. Now, the new owners of a pipeline... It remains to be seen how long the taxpayers of Canada will be on the hook for this energy project. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. All right, Tanya Beja joins us now with more on the reaction here in B.C. Uh, Tanya, protest groups not wasting any time making their position known on this. That's right, Sophie. There are several hundred people gathered here at Creekside Park. They are directing their anger at the Prime Minister, saying they don't want this pipeline built. 
Trans Mountain Pipeline may be getting a new owner, but opponents say threats to the environment haven't changed. The risks of this pipeline and tankers project are too great to the coast, to our communities, to our climate. The opposition is still strong. There's still many legal challenges. The city of Burnaby is leading some of those battles, challenging the consultation process, Kinder Morgan's chosen route, and obligation to comply with local bylaws. Under federal ownership, Canadian taxpayers will foot the legal bills, but that doesn't sway Mayor Derek Corrigan. The mask has been pulled off and we see who's behind the mask now is actually the federal government. It won't change the uh, court proceedings as far as I'm concerned. He's hopeful Burnaby will no longer be on the hook for RCMP costs. It is now all federal and they can be responsible for looking after the policing that's required as the protests increase exponentially. Even British Columbians who want a pipeline built say the government is going about it the wrong way. Yesterday we had a private company that was more than willing to foot this entire bill lock, stock and barrel. They were going to pay for it and tens of thousands of jobs were going to result because of it. Today, we're in this for more than $11 billion of taxpayers' money. Some fear the decision will scare away future foreign investment. What Kinder Morgan has proved is that you can do everything right. You can win every court case. You can get approvals from cabinets uh, in Victoria and Ottawa. You can get NEB approval. You can sign 40 deals with First Nations and still not be allowed to proceed because one guy in one office in Victoria says no. Reaction among First Nations communities is divided. The benefits will flow to this community and I dare say 42 other communities uh, in Alberta and British Columbia, First Nations community, uh, will be huge and be very meaningful to all of those communities. The people are saying no and the federal government is not listening and and they're still offering package deals which are a short trade-off to what is really at stake here. This is likely the first of many protests aimed at the federal government. The pipeline may get a new owner, but it will face the same battles. Sophie, back to you. I'm sure. All right, Tanya Beja for us in Vancouver. Well, we have heard a lot of the stakeholders on both sides, but what about the rest of taxpayers in B.C. and across the border in Alberta? How are they feeling about today's news? Well, here's some of that reaction. I think that we have to be really sensitive to those things, and I'm not sure... If this isn't going to be a rush job, do it any way you can, and then, you know, we're going to have to deal with the fallout as a country. I don't know how I feel about the pipeline. I mean, I can see the good in it. I can also see the environmental impact it would have on us. But I don't know how I feel about the government getting involved. I think uh, the government should stay out of ownership of oil field infrastructure. The industry hasn't asked the government to come in and buy anything. The industry has asked the government to do what it's supposed to do, which is enforce the rule of law of this country. The answer is yes, we need the pipeline. But as time goes on, yes, we actually might have an oil and gas industry back. All right, let's bring in our Keith Baldry for more on this. Uh, Let's circle back, Keith. Did Trudeau have a choice here after saying very clearly this pipeline will be built? No, you know, he set a trap for himself, I think, some time ago by not really championing the pipeline uh, for quite a long time, allowing uh, the B.C. government, uh, various First Nations, uh, Derek Corrigan, the mayor of Burnaby, Gregor Roberts, the mayor of Vancouver, and the environmental movement to basically drive the narrative here. He only came in near the end when Kinder Morgan set that deadline, but by then the die was cast. Uh, the, Kinder Morgan had cited numerous delays and concerns about uncertainty. There was no way those things were going to get off the table before May 31st was reached, so it became very 
very clear Justin Trudeau was entering a poker game in which he had to show all his cards to Kinder Morgan. Kinder Morgan had no incentives here uh, to move, and it was clear they wanted out of this project. It was an exit strategy, and Justin Trudeau put all his personal political capital into this project. At the end of the day, it was becoming very apparent to a number of us observers that big money was going to be involved here. It was going to have to come from the Canadian taxpayers and from the Trudeau government. So no surprise here. All right, Keith, thank you. Okay. More tonight on a tragedy over the weekend that claimed the life of a young woman and her unborn child. That woman's husband also injured in the crash. His mother spoke to Global News from his hospital bedside today with a message for other drivers. The moments leading up to this deadly crash on Highway 1 near Bridal Falls is something Justin Lloyd's mother wishes her son could forget. He actually remembers seeing the car coming at them and him slamming on his brakes and trying to swerve out of the way. The 29-year-old Kelowna man also remembers people rushing to his aid and being airlifted to hospital. And the moment he was told his wife and unborn baby did not survive. He is very emotional, but I don't think he's quite 100% grasped it either. I think the hardest part is still to come for him. Taya Lloyd was five months pregnant. The young couple had just tied the knot last winter and was excited to start a family. When Taya found out it was a little girl, well, she's bought all these little dresses and everything already. Taya was in the passenger seat as her husband drove westbound in their black Toyota Tacoma on the Trans-Canada Highway Saturday morning when a white GMC pickup crossed the grass median and hit them head-on. He's lost the love of his life and absolutely no explanation is going to ever be a comfort. Anne McClymont Elementary in Kelowna is filled with heartbreak. The 31-year-old kindergarten teacher's warmth was a welcome to the school system students and parents won't forget. To think that there's a, a kindergarten teacher like that that's no longer with us, um, it, it's devastating. The Lloyd family says according to police, crashes are rare in this section of highway. Still, they say better maintenance and driving behavior might save another family from so much grief. Please drive safe. Pay attention. People we love are being killed. And the lifelong hopes of a young growing family was changed in an instant on Highway 1. We greatly miss Taya and our granddaughter. John Hua, Global News. TransLink is reassuring commuters it will use a bus bridge if a looming CN rail strike affects the West Coast Express. About 3,400 train operators and signaling workers are set to strike at 7 tonight. A walkout could see a shutdown of freight service, but TransLink says CP Rail will provide enough staffing to ensure commuter rail services like the West Coast Express can still run. If the strike drags on, though, and commuter rail service is affected, TransLink says it will provide buses to replace the trains. Police near Seattle searching for a man who threw hot coffee at a McDonald's manager. What allegedly prompted the outburst coming up on the news hour? And ABC has cancelled its biggest hit, Roseanne, hours after the show's star made a racially charged remark on Twitter. What Roseanne said and the fallout later. Right now, though, family and friends of two missing Squamish men are asking for the public's help tonight. The pair had just wrapped up an eight-week sailing trip from Panama to Yuclulet. And were heading to Jordan River, where one of the men owns property, when they disappeared without a trace. Kylie Stanton has more on the mystery and the clues they have to go on. 
They grab their packs. One leaves and the other follows. I walked out of my office and they were gone. It's the last anyone has seen of these men captured here on surveillance at this Euclid dock. They just came up from Panama uh, and uh, at that point uh, they said they weren't here for a few days. They weren't sure. That was nearly two weeks ago. 37-year-old Dan Arkbald and 43-year-old Ryan Daly had cleared customs, paid their mortgage and set off. It's believed they were heading to a residence in Jordan River, possibly hitchhiking the route. But the rest is a mystery. It's just hard to believe something like this would ever actually happen. With limited cell service and infrequent communication, it wasn't immediately apparent to friends and family that anything was amiss. But as the days turned to weeks, fear set in and hope began to fade. My whole world is falling apart. And, um, I, um, you know, I have so many different scenarios running through my mind and none of them at this point seem very good. While both men are physically fit and seasoned travelers, disappearing like this is completely out of character. Archbald is a family man with two young daughters. Daly has close ties to his Squamish community. Many there now working tirelessly to get the word out online and on the street. We're just as baffled and dismayed as anybody else that's coming across this story. Please help do whatever you can. But they're not the only ones last seen on May 16th. That same day, the work van of 41-year-old Ben Kilmer was found still running near Cowichan Lake Road. Along the same route, Archbald and Daly may have taken on their way to Jordan River. An extensive search of the area has turned up nothing. And there's no known connection between the men, only adding to the mystery. I mean, it is a strange coincidence, but the fact that there's no clues is really uh, it's worrying and strange. And so the search continues. It becomes more and more unlikely every day that, you know, we'll have a good outcome here. Kylie Stanton, Global News. A UBC graduate who once brazenly defied the ban against women drivers in Saudi Arabia has been arrested again. Lujain Al-Hathloul has become a leading advocate for women's rights in her homeland. But she's been silenced since May 15th, detained ironically just weeks before the kingdom is set to finally give women the right to drive. Ted Chernecki reports. From 2009 to 2014, Lujan Al-Hathloul was studying French first in Paris and then UBC where she graduated four years ago, but not before making a lasting impression on her French associate professor. She never had a Saudi student before. She was feisty and she was determined and very self-confident and uh, fearless. Right after graduation, she returned to her native Saudi Arabia where she was promptly arrested for live-streaming herself, driving a vehicle across the border into her homeland, where to this day it is the only country in the world that forbids women to drive. Uh, her father was in the car with her and filmed it. So this was a public event, and subsequently she was uh, arrested and uh, detained for over 70 days. She has since married one of the very few stand-up comedians in Saudi Arabia, and he has also been pushing the cultural boundaries with satirical videos of the country's driving ban. Crown Prince, thank you very much. But despite promised reforms from Prince Mohammed bin Salman, the UBC student was arrested again two weeks ago and remains in jail without being charged. One can only assume that um, he is responding to ultra-conservative critics by targeting the obvious uh, issue, which is women's rights. Um, so we'll, we'll see what happens. I, I hope international attention gives them all some protection. 
Most of those arrested two weeks ago have been released, but not the former UBC student. She is being accused of, quote, having suspicious contacts with foreign entities and offering financial support to enemies overseas, unquote. Ted Chernecki, Global News. Uber is adding a panic button to its app, the safety feature being rolled out after a string of attacks and even rapes by its drivers. Reporter Jeff Rosen shows us how it works. Be crazy. We're working with police, but they have no idea where I am. Denver 911, what's the address of your emergency? We're doing a test. I want to know if you can tell me my name. Yeah, am I speaking with uh, Mr. Jeff Rothing? You are. And can you tell me the make and model of the car? Yeah, red 2016 Nissan Pathfinder. Yes, I am. Hold on a minute. Can you... I'm just going to get out of the car here for a second. Can you tell me the license plate? Yeah, RJQ991. That's exactly right. Can you tell me where I am, my exact location? Are you near the uh, northeast corner of 12 and Humboldt? That's exactly where I am. Potentially life-saving technology when every second counts. Jeff Rawson, NBC News, Denver. Four people, including two police officers, are dead after a suspected terror attack in Belgium. The sound of gunshots rang out and sirens blared in the streets of Liège. Officials say a prisoner out of jail on a temporary release stabbed two policewomen before stealing their guns and opening fire, killing both officers and a bystander. He was then shot dead by officers after taking a woman hostage inside a school. Investigators are looking into whether the suspect had been radicalized while in prison. Well, for the first time in the Stratford Festival's decades-long history, opening night was cancelled. The season premiere stopped by a bomb threat. But as Mark Carcassol reports... The show will go on tonight amid increased security. And Malvolio's a peg of rims. The Stratford Festival is the event that theater lovers, local and out of town, wait for all year. And Monday night's launch initially kicked off in grand style. The uh, actors and actresses from Rocky Horror were doing uh, the time warp dance. So that was super fun and everybody was happy, festive, the weather was great. Until shortly before the start of the headlining show, The Tempest, starring Martha Henry. After seven at some point, they told us all to leave and... We're like pretty small town here. We didn't know what's going on. We're just kind of, what? Last night at around uh, 6.45 p.m., we received a call uh, that there were some explosives placed at the properties of the Festival Theatre, at which point we took the, uh, the call serious. Police evacuated both theatres, and shows were cancelled for the night. Uh, we did a two, just a, over a two-hour search of uh, the Stratford Festival. Negative results. We didn't find anything suspicious. Back to business as usual on Tuesday. Well, mostly usual anyway. The added uniform presence is visible, and there are changes at the door. We are today checking bags as people come in because we want to make sure that people are safe. It's the norm elsewhere, and we'll be here for now, but Stratford Festival organizers don't plan on making it permanent. Uh, whoever did this uh, is, you know, going to be found. We're going to understand it, and uh, then we're going to get back to normal. And to the culprit, festival goers have this to say. No, we're not scared. If someone was doing it intending to want to make people not go then of course I'm going to go because that's just that's just terrible it's art you know people work so hard to make the theater go on Mark Carcassol Global News and developing news from Mississauga tonight police releasing new video from Thursday night's restaurant bombing it shows two suspects fleeing the scene and now investigators believe one of those alleged bombers may be a woman the latest from Global's Karen Lieberman 
10.28 p.m., the first of two suspects runs from the scene of an explosion at a popular Indian restaurant in Mississauga last week. Then comes the second, slowly at first, then picks up the pace. This is the Bombay Bell restaurant. The suspects left and went eastbound along Armdale Road. Since the blast shook Bombay Bale late Thursday, investigators have been retracing the suspect's steps. That's where K-9 lost the track. With the help of forensic investigators, they're analyzing fingerprints and DNA. And they're collecting video surveillance from the area, which led them to this conclusion. There's uh, evidence that's coming to light through witnesses and through some other video that leads investigators to believe that it just may not be a male. A man and possibly a woman responsible for igniting an improvised explosive device inside the restaurant, according to investigators who are working around the clock to find them. Peel Regional Police say their intelligence unit was on scene and liaised with other agencies. They say there was no messaging before or after the blast that would lead them to believe that this was either hate crime related or terror related. What led the two suspects to detonate this device is still not clear. We do not have a clear motive and no one has claimed responsibility. The restaurant remains closed through covered windows. The only signs of a blast, shattered glass. But those who were there celebrating two birthday parties the night of the explosion had described the horror. There was lots of blood in the, in the floor. Many people was hurt. Fifteen taken to hospital, three of them with critical injuries. While all have made full recoveries, the suspects face serious charges, including attempted murder and various weapons offenses. Karen Lieberman, Global News. On the same day that Starbucks closed more than 8,000 U.S. stores for anti-bias education following the arrest of two black men at one of their stores in Philadelphia last month, video is emerging of a coffee attack at a McDonald's in Washington state. This happened at a restaurant southwest of Seattle early last Friday morning. A man carrying several bags is seen ordering a coffee at the counter. He empties the 97-cent coffee into his travel mug, then tells the manager he did not get his senior's discount. He shows her the receipt before throwing the hot coffee in her face and running out the door. The manager was treated for burns. Well, she has faced controversy before, but this time Roseanne Barr couldn't weather the social media firestorm she started. The sitcom star fired just hours after posting a shockingly racist tweet. And while ABC acted quickly to cancel her show, some say she was a gamble even before today's post. The controversial comedian tweeted Tuesday morning, referencing former President Obama advisor Valerie Jarrett and the Planet of the Apes. In the now-deleted tweet, she wrote, Muslim Brotherhood and Planet of the Apes had a baby equals VJ. There was swift backlash, including Wanda Sykes, who promptly responded, I will not be returning to the show. Jarrett responded to Roseanne Barr's tweet on MSNBC. I think we have to turn it into a teaching moment. I'm fine. I'm worried about all the people out there who don't have a circle of friends and followers who come right to their defense. Did you see the crazy amount of fertilizer they got stacked up near their garage? That's how they make bombs. Barr, whose reboot series was revived this spring, soon apologized on Twitter. I apologize to Valerie Jarrett and to all Americans, she said. I am truly sorry for making a bad joke about her politics and her looks. Roseanne was taped here on this lot in Studio City, California. The show was an unexpected hit for ABC, especially among conservative viewers, with its main star a vocal supporter of President Trump. 
Barr's apology wasn't enough to stop the network from taking swift action. ABC Entertainment president sent out this statement, saying her tweet is abhorrent, repugnant, and inconsistent with our values, and we have decided to cancel her show. Chris Martinez, CBS News, Los Angeles. And that wasn't the end of the fallout. The talent agency that represents Roseanne Barr has dropped her as a client. Well, in Health Matters tonight, a Surrey grade 12 student with a degenerative eye condition is seeing a new future tonight with the support of the school board. Joshan Alec is testing eSight glasses, a high-tech tool that could help visually impaired students in class. Yeah. Right, do you want to get on drums today? Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just sing. Sing? All right. Friends are about more than hanging out and having fun. They support each other in times of need. Lead the way, mate. Josh and Olick is visually impaired. He can find his way around Enver Creek Secondary in Surrey alone, but it's easier with a buddy. I'd either place my hand on their shoulder or by their elbow, uh, and that way they can guide me around. In class, however, friends can't help much. Joshin has a form of retinitis pigmentosa that makes reading the blackboard impossible. The paper in front of him, difficult to say the least. But that's about to change. Let's go over those controls once again. On the left side of the remote, we have zoom down to zoom you in. Joshin is learning how to use e-sight eyewear, which among other things magnifies images on demand. 6.80 times. Uh, D-E-F. I'm seeing uh, colors a lot more clearly and just things in, in more detail than I would without. The glasses, worth $12,000, are being given to Joshin in return for his role in a trial being conducted by the Surrey School District. Well, I'll be able to take notes uh, off the board and just, like, see the, the faces of my family, which... <laughs> is really, really uh, cool to happen. It has opened up a number of doors for his future that would not have been there otherwise. Surrey School says it's unlikely they could afford buying the glasses for all its visually impaired students. On the other hand... If this proves to be a technology that will make the difference in, in these students' lives, we'll, we'll find a way. Linda Aylesworth, Global News. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. Probably not who these aqua fitters expected to see in their class today. Why the BC Lions were in the pool in Kamloops right after Yvonne's forecast. And just before that forecast, check out this dust storm caught on camera in Romania. A huge cloud of sand and dust carried by strong winds enveloping the city. For a few good minutes, the giant cloud was visible a few kilometers away. It was followed up by rain which I'm sure they were happy to see after that. Yvonne Shell joining us now with a look at our forecast. More cloud out there, Yvonne. Yes, and it's been cooler. Uh, this morning we started off with some cloud cover, cooler conditions. This evening we'll dip back down to 7 and 10 as the overnight. And uh, we are going to be looking at the potential for some rain in the next few days, and I'll outline that in just a moment. We're sitting at 15 degrees, a southwesterly wind at 13 kilometers per hour. Today only climbing up to a high of 17 degrees, slightly below the average at 18 
and a record of 30 degrees was set back on this day in 1983. Uh, temperatures right now for Williams Lake sitting at 12, Kelowna still sitting at 20 degrees, similar for Nelson, Victoria with your current temperature at 16, and Bella Coola at 17 degrees. Some instability this evening across the central interior, still a slight risk of a thunderstorm and some shower activity. Most areas, though, across the province, we are going to see a number of systems, not significant. This will still take us in towards the weekend. And likely across the south coast, we are going to see a chance of showers developing over the next two days, a very slight chance, and then more moisture is going to push in late in the day on Friday and then clear up just in time for our weekend forecast. Northern half of the province, 13 degrees for Prince Rupert. Inland tomorrow up to 15 with the chance of showers. Instability for the northeastern corners with the risk of a thunderstorm. Central interior tomorrow, still hanging on to that cloud cover with on and off showers and a high of 13. Southern interior in the southeastern corners as we'll see that chance of showers. Thompson, Okanagan will still see cloud cover tomorrow and likely remaining dry. Whistler will see on and off showers, a high of 15 degrees. Eastern sections pushing in towards Hope. Showers with a high of 17 degrees. And much of the island, similar to what we're seeing today, cloud cover with some sunny breaks, a very slight chance to see an isolated shower. Victoria up to 16 degrees. For a Thursday, Friday, both days remaining unsettled, but it's late Friday and in towards our Saturday morning that we'll see some rain. It'll clear out quite quickly for the afternoon on Saturday, quite pleasant, and then Sunday with a mix of sun and cloud will be back up to 19 degrees. Our weather window this evening sent in from Glen Powell River, a great shot. You can see Texada Island in the background as well. So, also, sorry, before I get back to you, Soap, I've got a BCA Play Here contest. is uh, is back to give away three play space revitalizations worth up to $100,000 each. Here's a look at two more of the 10 finalists. Penantin Elementary School in the Thompson-Nicola region is the only playground in the area. A revitalized play space would do much for the community and could even lead to the increased enrollment. And in Ladysmith, a coal north oyster has grown from 80 to 330 students in the last five years. It is to the only playground in a seven-kilometer radius and needs a new accessible play space to, ca- uh, to cater the entire community. You can cast your vote now until June 17th. Go to globalnews.ca forward slash contest or bcaplayhere.com. Now back to you, Soph. All right, I'll take it. Thanks, Yvonne. All right, let's go back to the BC Lions crashing an aquafit class in Kamloops. <laughs> Not who the regulars expected to see today, but the players caught on quickly, as you can tell. The team is currently doing two practices a day at training camp, but today their second practice was cancelled. The players were told to get some treatment instead. So many of them chose to dive in to the pool and couldn't resist taking part in Aquafit. It's easier on your joints than football, I would think. A search is underway on Vancouver Island tonight for a monkey who's been on the lam since the weekend. The male Capuchin monkey escaped from the aptly named Primate Estates facility (laughs) in Cowichan Lake on Saturday and was last seen heading into the forest. The owners of the small brown and black primate have been trying to capture it. It's not the first escape from the exotic animal sanctuary. In 2007, a Bengal tiger got out of its enclosure, sparking a frantic search before it was eventually coaxed back into its cage. We're asking the public if they see it, uh, to call our rap line at one 877 
952-7277. Uh, don't approach the monkey also. Uh, you know, there is a chance you could get bitten. Uh, we wouldn't want to see someone uh, get injured or get any disease transfer that is uh, possible. All right. Don't approach the monkey. No. Here is George you know on the loose. This, you know what this sounds like? The plot for Planet of the Apes. <laughs> oh, really? The monkey escapes. He goes in the forest. He learns to speak English. He teaches the other monkeys how to speak, and they come up and, then and they take, take over, over the whole thing. Yeah. I prefer the curious George thing. <laughs> I mean, what? it seems a little Man less... Man with the yellow hat. <laughs> not down with Caesar or... So maybe if you're Dr. looking for Zayas. the monkey, see if you can find some guy with a yellow hat, and you'll be there on you the go. right trail. <laughs> he was just putting the finishing touches on it. Oh, yes, I was. It's perfect now. It's the last little bit. The I's and the T's and all that. Got to cross them. Okay. Got to dot them. Here we go. I'm ready. Okay. So in hockey, if you score three goals, you will win most of your games. In soccer, it's even less. Two goals should be an automatic win, but not for the Vancouver Whitecaps. Now, we have talked a lot about them missing great chances to score goals, but just the same, they have been scoring on some of those chances, enough of them that they should be winning Games In their last four games, they have scored three, well, three, two, two, and two goals. And all they have from that is four ties. The only people who need that many ties are anchors. Franklin was able to get there initially, but it's Pania who makes it 2-0. A common denominator in their last four games is the Whitecaps at some point have to rally just to get a draw. Seems like it's a, a common theme right now, and it's trending that we need to go a couple goals down or go down before we wake up. And that's not necessarily, it's, it's definitely not a good thing. Um, but the only positive out of that is that we're able to bounce back. Kacharis on the other side of the penalty area. It's a good-looking ball across. It shows our quality that we can come back and we can score goals, but why go down? Why go down two goals? Why go down a goal? Um, it, it, it's down to us to get on the front foot and to score first and score early, and then the game is easier. We, we just need to be a little bit more clinical and sharper, I think, is we conceding too, too many easy goals. The examples are easy to find. Giving a player too much time to shoot, getting beat on a counterattack. All of these little mistakes are keeping Vancouver on the tie rack. What we need to do is cut out the nonsense of the individual mistakes and the silly goals. Uh, and then try and take our chances because we have been create, creating a bucket load. So we're sitting probably where we deserve to be based upon the chances we've missed as well as the bad goals we've given up. Um, but we know that can change at any time. What's most confounding for the Whitecaps? They have scored enough to win, you would think. But it always seems to be that they need either one more or allow one less to get three points. I think uh, the team is progressing, as I said, and I, I have a 100% and a full belief in this group, and soon we're going to get where we want to be. Well, Major League Soccer is growing again. Cincinnati has been given an expansion team that is supposed to start in 2019, which means the league will then have 26 franchises. The ultimate goal is 28. Now, Cincinnati should actually be a good franchise for Major League Soccer. They have a team in USL, which is one league lower than MLS, and they've been setting attendance records for that club, so you would think they'd get even more people to come out for a Major League Soccer team. In 2021 as well, the city of Cincinnati will have an all-soccer stadium for that MLS team. The NHL has decided this hit by Tom Wilson on Jonathan Marsh's show last night is not suspension-worthy. 
They didn't even talk to Wilson about it, probably because it wasn't a shot to the head, even though it was a late blindside hit, also because Marshall Show was okay. After the game, Knights coach Gerard Gallant didn't make too big a deal of it. I thought, again, the officiating was outstanding tonight. They did a real good job, and, you know, that's a tough call. I mean, uh, when I seen it live, I didn't see much of it, but then when you watch it in replay and you see how Lady hits Marshall Show, for me, it should have been uh, it should have been a major penalty. But again, it, 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 when you're watching it live, you don't see that. French Open, Denis Shapovalov, John Millman of Australia. Shapovalov should win this, and he does. But he was down 5-2 at one point in the first set. Good power. What a scorching! Love the old school one-handed backhand to end the first set. No, you can run all you want, Mr. Millman, but you're going Brilliant down. 7-5 in the first set, 6-4 in the second set. We go to the third set. Should mention Vancouver's Vashik Hospital was knocked out of the tournament. He lost his first round match. Shapovalov at the net. And now, finish him. Shapovalov serving. Bing and Off to round two. Serena Williams in the superhero suit at the French Open against Kristina Pliskova. She had a little bit of trouble in the first set, got down 3-love in a tiebreaker, but then rallied. Yes, from the moment she had that some blood left. clot issues last year. This suit actually acts as compression as well for her. She would win it. Straight sets. Serena moves on to the uh, second round. I had to show you this last night. So, game seven, Warriors and Rockets. The Rockets, at one point in this game, missed 27 consecutive three-point attempts. They're a great three-point shooting team, just not last night. They figured out the odds for an NBA team to miss 27 threes in a row. The odds, 72,000 to one. But somehow they did it. And now they're out of the playoffs, and it's Golden State and Cleveland. It starts on Thursday, and Golden State's a heavy favorite. There you go. How many was it? 72,000 no. to one. Someone figured it out. Oh, 27 in a row missed. 27 in a row. I've missed and, 27 in a well, row before, too. You and I are not NBA players. <laughs> really? There I wonder why. Okay. Coming up on ET Canada, how one tweet took down the biggest comedy on television. Plus, after only one episode, we have already a new Bachelorette controversy. It's all coming up at 7, right after the news hour. But for now, it's back to you, Sophie. Thank you very much, Cheryl. Well, these animals are not native to B.C., but our province boasts a handful of water buffalo farms. Oh, nice. Places where the buffalo roam. I've been waiting all day for that. Buffalo milk reportedly makes great cheese and yogurt. Now, as Jeff Hastings reports, two Langley farmers are raising their herd for what they believe will be a lower mainland first, the sale of buffalo meat and dairy products. You're not on safari, you're in Surrey. Those weird-looking cows in Cloverdale aren't cows at all. They're water buffalo, the first to be farmed on the B.C. mainland. Why water buffalo? Well, that was what I asked my husband when he first got into this and our partners. They're muscling into the dairy business. But his hand is not food. 
Water buffalo milk and cheese, yogurt, and meat are considered a healthy alternative to our normal North American diet. For us, I think it started out looking for a healthier way to live our lives. And uh, as the opportunities came up for this, we're, we're pumped about the possibilities. Looks like someone likes you. <laughs> They're extremely social. Well, I think they make great friends and also great, great companions, you know, like hang around with. Babies, buffalo and human, get along great. The herd is growing quickly, now about 60 strong, pastured on a few different farms south of the Fraser. A novelty, but not new. It is very new to Canada, but for hundreds of years, they've been being milked in all over Italy and in the Middle East and in India. She wants food. They'll get to know you, a calming influence. Attempts have been made to use them as therapy animals. It's really fun trying to raise them, especially when they're as stubborn as an ox. Tesfa Farms is selling at farmer's markets this summer in Vancouver and Langley. Jeff Hastings, Global News. With the mozzarella? What, buffalo mozzarella? Yeah. Well, now, is I, it, now is that, that I think that about buffalo, it. buffalo or is it the buffaloes that are in North America? These are the questions we have. Our producer, Marsha Gabriel, has looked it up. She says it's, it's water buffalo. Oh. It's water buffalo. Okay. According to the Google. And the Google knows everything. Yes, it's true. <laughs> That's uh, So it is the Twitter and the and Facebook. The Facebook. <laughs> I think they're fads. I don't know if they're going to last, really. Okay, final word on the weather. Uh, we are going to see more cloud cover. A touch cooler over the next few days. A rain will be on our Friday. All right. Thanks for watching, everyone. Have a good evening.